Welcome back to this week's episode of the Tyson Pre-Show. I'm so excited you decided to join. This is part two of an interview that I did with national speaker and author Brent Henderson. And we're talking about our identity in a transition and how we view ourselves and what we believe and what we believe about ourselves impacts how we make transitions and how we handle transitions. And it's been just a great interview this week. The second part is going to be just as good, if not better than last week's episode. If you did not listen to last week's episode, I would encourage you to go back and do that. There's a lot of things that we build upon from last week's show. But this week, we're going to get into how our beliefs shape our thoughts, which shape our emotions, which shape our actions. We're going to talk about um, how our expectations and our perceptions then impact our emotions as well. But before we get into that, I want to invite you to reach out to me. If you have questions, um, you're going through a transition and you just need some advice or I can walk with you on that journey up your mountain so that you can claim it and own it, message me, Tyson at TysonPriest.com or reach out to me on any one of the social media platforms of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I always look forward to powerfully serving you and making your life better. So stay tuned after the interview, and I'll give you some more information regarding that. So without any further ado, let's get into the interview with Brent Henderson, part two. All right. Well, with me on the show again today is Brent Henderson. And if you listened last week, then you know that he is an author of two books, The Roar Roar Within and Into the Wilds. And last week we were talking about transitions and we were talking about ways to properly manage transitions, things that he has done to handle transitions in his life. And today we're going to get really into his sweet spot, which is identity. But Brent, welcome to the show again. It's good to be back. Thanks, man. So as we transition, what we talked about last week is that rarely does God ever just send you completely in opposite direction of the way he's wired you. Um, and a lot of that understanding that is really understanding as we kind of got into towards the end of the show last week was how we think and how we think really stems from that identity piece. So I think for any of us to transition and transition well, because some transitions can be very, very rocky. Some can be very smooth, but to do it well, we need to understand who we are. Um, so why why don't you take that and just run with that. Yeah. Um, identity, you know, whenever I'm speaking to a group of men, I always say, all right, get your pencils out. There's three words I want you to write down. These are the most important three words you're ever going to hear. And I don't know what they're expecting, but I start off, I say identity, number two, identity, (laughs) number three, identity. Um, because really everything comes back down to that. I was speaking with uh, R.T. Phillips. R.T. Phillips was the president of Promise Keepers for 20 years, and he and I had a conversation about a week and a half ago. And this whole thing with Identity, the book, uh, Into the Wilds, all came about after I had done a men's retreat for him. He had been out of Promise Keepers for a number of years, was in a big church down in Texas, and he brought me in to do a a men's retreat. And he said, what are you going to talk about? You know, before I came down, we were on the phone, and I said, you know, a lot of what we're going to go through is identity, because that is the core of every thing that we do identity 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 yeah. and so when he and i were talking uh, last week 
he has a, you know, after Promise Keepers, he started a new ministry, which, which he's launched, which is really growing. It's called Core. And he said, I don't know if you ever realized this or not, but he goes, after we had that conversation, you kept saying it's the core of everything. He goes, that's where it came from. I said, seriously? I said, wow. okay, I want a royalty. <laughs> but because it really is the core of everything. You know, last week in, in the episode, we were talking about, you know, thoughts, emotions, and actions. So whenever you have in cognitive therapy, you go mm-hmm. to a council, they're going to talk about how your thoughts shape your emotions and your emotions shape your actions. Mm-hmm. I've even you know, heard people talk about it's your thought that creates the emotion, which creates the action, which gives you the result you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And I hear that a lot in the, in, the, in the secular world because it's all about you know, just change the way you think and right. you'll, you'll, you, know, you can get what you want. But it really comes down to this. It's my belief system. Mm-hmm. Because if I don't really believe someone, I'm not right. going to stay with it. Like we talked about passions last week. Yeah. We think about Barry Sanders playing football. He quit because he no longer had passion, right? He said, I just yeah. don't have a passion for the game. But yet you have someone else like a Tom Brady out there right now who's still got a passion for the game. What is he, 45 years old or something yeah. crazy? Yeah. And playing at this top level because he's still passionate about it. So our beliefs are what shape how we think. Yeah. Um, let, me, let me give you an example here for a second. Let's just say... Uh, Let's say you got a, a mom and a dad and they haven't seen each other much. They have an 11 month old child and they're both working. You know, like many of us now you're working in different schedules. And so they, they needed some time together. It's been a while since they've had a chance to really just snuggle in, be intimate, whatever. Mm-hmm. And she goes back and she puts the 11 month old to bed. You know, he's, he's rented the notebook or some, you know, thing he's going to try to <laughs> move his wife and they got something to drink and a snack. And he's got, you know, maybe a shrimp cocktail all laid out and cheese or crackers or whatever. And, she comes out, they're starting the movie, things are starting to get, you know, romantic, and here comes, right. Junior, here comes Junior walking out of the bedroom. <laughs> you know, in that moment, what are you thinking? You know, and, and the, the guys will always say, kid, you just ruined my night. Right. And I said, now, what are you feeling? Well, I'm feeling angry. I'm frustrated. And what's your action going to be? Well, I'm probably going to go swat him on the butt, yell at him, tell him to get back to bed or whatever. I said, okay, now, let's just change the whole scenario here for a second. Same situation. Mm-hmm. Things are getting good on the couch. Here comes Junior walking out of the bedroom. The only difference in this story is it's the first time that child's ever walked. Hmm. Did you see how you're feeling? Your emotion just changed. Right. Awesome. And so now all of a sudden, my belief has shaped how I am. Did, did I lose you for a second there? My internet was a little bit unstable there. Yeah, it's it's the curse of uh, living rural. Yeah, I understand. I understand. So with what I was saying was now the only difference was that child's taking steps. Well, if my thoughts are, oh, my gosh, this is what we've been waiting for, because my belief system has changed, that I'm really wanting the best for the child. It's not all about me, for instance. Right now I can find joy and look what happened to my emotion. I had joy. I had, you know, happiness. And what's my action? Come to mom, come to dad, get the camera, picking them up, you know, yay, you or whatever. Yeah. But how, what we believe really shapes how we think. We, we talked in last week's episode about mm-hmm. rather than saying I have to, I get to. That's a belief change. It's not just a thought change. When I begin to really believe, wait a minute, I'm blessed. I, I have to cook supper. No, I get to cook. I have food. I have a house. Mm. When that belief begins to, to, to change, it reshapes everything in our life. 
And wow. you can't reshape it unless you really understand what we've been trying to get to here was identity. Yeah. If I think that my worth and value comes from my performance and what you think about me, I'm sunk. I will never, ever be able to live up to that. And I will find myself on the, the hamster wheel of performance. Right. We don't know what snakes do to hamsters, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but when my belief system is, wait a second, because I'm a believer, and what does that mean? It means that the moment that I truly believed out of Ephesians chapter one, God put his promised Holy Spirit in my spirit. It says, guaranteeing my inheritance into the kingdom of heaven. What he's done is he put his righteousness, his good enough into my spirit. Because I can't get into heaven on my own accord. My, my, what they say is that my righteousness is like filthy rags. Right. But he gave me his identity in the sacrificial gift and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He puts his promised Holy Spirit in me, which now qualifies me as being righteous because, only because of Christ. Now I have a new identity. It's no yeah. longer in what I've done bad or what I've done good. Because now you're getting into a workspace theology that says, well, if I do all these things, I must be good enough for God. No, it's as filthy rags, your works. Yeah. It's what Christ did. So yeah. now I'm no longer held back to have to try to perform good enough to be God, like Paul talks about in Galatians chapter 2. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to be running around in fear going, oh, my gosh, I didn't do enough. Or I said this or I did that. Right. But now my identity is totally in Christ. And people go, well, well, how does that help you? Well, guess what? Am I now any longer afraid to fail? Is God going to love me any less if I fail at this new job thing that I'm trying to transitioning into? Sure. No. no. And if I become the top CEO of this company, is he going to love me more because I'm the CEO? No. No. His love never changes and that identity is the core of everything that we've got going on. So I never have to walk around in fear anymore. I don't mm. have to fear prideful. I don't have to feel less than. Mm. And now I can find happiness, contentment, because my belief system changed that my identity is now in Christ. Changes awesome. my thoughts, my emotions, and my actions. Yes. No, that's really, that's really, really good. And I, I do want to go back to what you said earlier. I think, you know, cognitive therapy only goes so far. Um, and you have to dig deeper, as you and I both know, you have to dig deeper into the spirit where those thoughts come from. And they come from, as you said, a belief system, um, which then in turn shapes your thoughts, your emotions and your actions. And those actions then eventually shape your destiny, right? Those yeah. actions, yeah. those actions speak out into culture, into your family and so on. Um, and I, I guess I would, I guess I would ask you then. As, as we think about how all this is connected and how all of this works, as I'm going through a transition then, and I'm changing, I'm either changing my belief system or I have a solid belief system in Christ, what then happens to my, well, let me think, let, let me make sure I phrase this right. <laughs> what then happens to me in that transition? When I'm kind of in the, you know, I'm not at point A, but I'm not quite at point B where I need to be. And I'm in flux, right? I'm in, I'm in the middle. Um, because so much of, like you said, for so many of us, for so many people, our identity is based on our performance and how well we perform. And we get that through sports. We get that through acting. How good can I act? How many awards can I win? Then that assigns value to me. 
Um, how do we, how do we, what do we do with that identity when we're in flux in between point A and point B? Yeah, it's what I said earlier. Trust that God is who he says he is, that I am who he says I am, that he yeah. has a plan. It takes the anxiety right out of it. See, here's here's one of the things that, that the enemy hits us with a lot. It's past and future thinking. Hmm. The past is all about regret. If I would have only done this, things might have been different, right? Future right. thought. What happens if um, I'm not, I don't end up being good enough? Okay, well, who even gets to clarify what good enough is? <laughs> sure. But he, he hits us with that. God says, no, I want you to stay with me in the moment. I want you to stay with me right now. So now we're in between. We're in this in-between thing. I don't have to have all the anxiety because my anxiety is coming from future thinking. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not there fast enough yet. Right. right? This yeah. is taking too long or whatever. If I'm going at the pace that God has for me, and again, I'm doing my part. I'm not just yeah. sitting around twiddling my thumbs. I mean, I'm not sure. just saying, God, put everything in front of me. No, he, he says, no, you got to put the car in drive. I, I, you can't get around that. We, God created us to do these good things, these good works, whatever, but we don't get our identity from them. Right. But I think at, at that point, we can look at it and go, I'm doing what God's called me to do. For whatever reason, he does have me taking a detour right now because I thought I would be here by now, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. I, I get to trust that God is who he says he is. He's got me on this little slower path for some reason because he's teaching me something. Wow, God is going to teach me something? What a gift. Yeah. We begin to see the gift in the challenge. I always say challenges are gifts because they grow us. You know, sometimes we have so many gifts. We're going, God, why does it feel like Christmas all the time? Can I get past (laughs) some of these? Sure. But the Beatitudes, Matthew 5. You know, you're blessed when you've lost what is most dear to you, for only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. Mm-hmm. There's a gift if we look at it. It's like you can even sit down and we just say this. Make a, a cost-benefit, advantage-disadvantage thing with where you are right now. What's the yeah. disadvantage of it taking me this long to get there? What's the advantage of it taking me this long to get there? And you'll begin to see what you thought were disadvantages all of a sudden. No, there's real benefit over yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great point. I think I think sometimes we and you you've heard me say this before. I mean, the values of the world we live in are not the values of heaven, right? We, yeah. we value getting through the drive-through as quick as possible, um, having our having our emotions, our ego stroked. Um, heaven says, no, no, no. I value patience. You know. So if you have to wait five minutes in the drive-through, well, welcome to the values of heaven. Yeah. Um, and so there's constantly this clash between the values of the world we live in versus the values of heaven. And I think when we get to heaven, we have a rude awakening coming. Um, you know, patience, trust, love, faith are the values uh, versus what we see here in the world. But we're so tempted in the transition to pull in the values of the world to say, why aren't, why am I not there yet? Um, why is this happening? What's going on? And so on. Um, and I think what we've, go ahead. No, you walked up to me the other day at Panera and I was studying back there yeah. and you said, Hey, I, you know, something like, I hope I'm not interrupting you. And, I took on my napkin. I remember what I had written down two words, divine appointments. Mm. 
when I'm uh, trying to write a book or I'm trying to study, you know what it's like. Someone comes up, hey, what's going on? And they sit down and you're like, dude, I've only got 30 minutes here, you know? And you're, you're thinking, I've, yeah. in order to get rid of some of the, the anxiety or the anger or frustration with that, I now keep, that's my bookmark is the napkin. It says two words, divine appointments. Wow. When I'm, when I'm at a stoplight and I'm in a hurry, God goes, wait a second. I want you to pray for someone. Who would, I, who would you have me to pray for right now, God? So whenever I, I get to a stoplight, I'm going, oh, I, I think of that as a divine appointment. In that moment, God, who can I pray for since I, I'm stopped? Yeah. Praying yeah. for someone else, guess what happens to my anxiety and my anger about the traffic light? Oh, it goes down. Sure it does. I change my belief, changes my thought, changes my emotion, changes my action. Yeah. I think sometimes in that flux as well, we get clustered, right? The anxiety, worry, fear, whatever, mistrust maybe uh, begins to set in. And if we can speak just for a moment to the men, right, that might be listening. I know that I have women that listen as well. And so it'll be good for women to hear from a man's perspective, right? But you you write in your second book, The Roar Within, you talk about the five man killers. And I, and I think some of these killers can rear their head in transition when everything's in flux. Um, you want to share with us what those five man killers are? Yeah, uh, let me just kind of give you, this is interesting. The book was already done. The manuscript, Baker had already received it, liked it and said, hey, we're going to go ahead and follow through with this. And But then COVID hit and everything got pushed back another six months. And so during that time, you know, I was, there's that thing, all of a sudden I'm in that flux. I'm in the middle of something here. And here I was in the middle. Everything is stuck. Well, what am I supposed to do? All right, God, what would you have me do? And as I was patient and waited on the word from the Holy Spirit in his timing, he began to move it in and said, okay, Brent, you have this little private Facebook group called Dangerous Men. I want you to ask the guys in there, give them 10 things and say, give me your top five of these things that really attack you on a daily basis or on a weekly or whatever. And they were things like shame and lust and all that kind of stuff. And the way that they came out is really interesting. I thought maybe uh, lack of respect would be number one or lust. If it wasn't, it was, mm-hmm. it was um, purpose. Lack of purpose for a man was his number one man killer. Number two, and I'll go through these quickly and I'll show you how they all tie together. So you had lack of purpose, lack of respect, anger, lust, and shame. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I gave each one of those to a certain African animal because it really matched up well with the way that animal's personality is or, or something that I could talk about. But in, in this, the conversation we're having now, let me tie together because of COVID. Let me give you an example so I said, lack of purpose, right? Let's say that a man lost his job, what he was good at, what his title was in, what he made his money, what everyone knew him for. Now, all of a sudden, like me, I was a speaker. Sure. Everything canceled. Mm. All of a sudden, God, what am I supposed to do? I felt lack of purpose. What did that create? Anxiety, depression, mm. hopelessness, loneliness, right? Yeah. Those are all unhealthy things that line up with the deeds of the flesh because of what I was thinking, because my belief system was, what can I do rather than my belief being, God, what are you up to here? Yeah. So all of a sudden I had this lack of purpose. Now I come down to the next one and they say, well, what about lack of respect? Well, I can remember my wife talking to me for a second and saying, well, you're just going to have to go out and find you can go stock the shelves at some store or pump gas somewhere or whatever. And I'm not saying that those are bad things, right. but I'm saying it wasn't what I was doing for my living my whole life. Yeah. And I felt like, you're being disrespectful to me now by telling me just to go do something that I'm not good at. Right. Sure. Well, what's that make a man feel like? Well, it can make a man feel angry. 
-hmm. When you feel disrespect, see, men don't struggle with respect. They struggle with their need for respect. Because if you're respecting me, I'm getting what I'm thinking I should be having. But when you're being disrespectful, now the answer to my question and every man's question is, do I have what it takes? Am I good enough? Am I enough? If you're being disrespectful, it must be because I'm not enough for you, at least. Again, the person's opinions, which creates anger. And when that man can get angry, his, his, it can lead to lust. Lust doesn't just have to be like going to pornography. It can be lust of money. It can be lust of watching sports. It can be whatever. It can lead him to a false God, lusting after something to make him feel better. Yeah. Which eventually, let's just say, for instance, if it was pornography, the man ran to pornography, he was angry at his wife because she was disrespectful and all this stuff. Right. Now, what does he feel? Shame. Yeah. He gave in. And the enemy, it's a wash, rinse, and repeats what he does. You go through this whole cycle, and shame makes a man go into hiding. And when a man goes into hiding, anyone, a woman too, when they go into hiding, they don't like how they're feeling. So they want to try to make themselves feel better, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so they'll go and do something. could be overeat. It could be run to porn again. It's that immediate. See, sin is attractive because it has an immediate payoff. Yeah. And for the person out there, when you think about sin, sin is just an illegitimate way of getting a legitimate need met. That's what it is. Say that again. Sin is just an illegitimate way of getting a legitimate need met. That's We're going to a false God, a false idol. We're going to a counterfeit mm-hmm. rather than going to the real thing to try to make ourselves feel better for the moment. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's a wash, rinse and repeat until your belief system changes that Christ in you is already everything you'll ever need. You're going to keep going to those counterfeit gods, money, wow. right? It is porn, yeah. sports, hunting, whatever your thing is. Yeah. 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 No, that's really good. Um, and just for my own <clears throat> conscience, um, sports aren't bad. <laughs> but it's when I, <laughs> I mean, you know, we talk okay. football and stuff. But... Yeah, but here, say it this way. Say it this way. Here's, here's a really neat thing. You're right. Sports aren't bad. But here's the thing. A good thing. Now, this is big. A good yeah. thing can become an evil thing when it becomes the thing. That's good. Say it again. That's good. A good thing can become an evil thing when it becomes the thing. Because all of a sudden we put all of our time and effort into that one thing, which was a good thing, but we made it into an idol in our life Mm. and then it destroys us. Yes. Yeah. No, that's really, really good. I think that we're all, I think all of us, at some level face one of those five things right and when that happens then like you said if we don't really truly know who we are then we go out for that immediate gratification to make us feel good um and then it it just becomes wash rinse repeat um and it's it's so key that when we go through a transition we know who we are I know that I'm a child of God, right? I, I know that God loves me unconditionally. I know that he's working it all out for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose, like we talked about last week. And I know that if I'm marching on that path towards his purpose, then it is all going to work out. It might suck right now. It might be horrible right now. <laughs> I might feel disrespected by my wife because she told me to go stock shelves when I'm really a public speaker and an author and I'm going outside my comfort zone. Um, but God's used that. And God has now even used that story between you and your wife to, <laughs> to be able to have that as an example. 
There's a um, scripture verse that I love that goes along yeah. for all of us. And this, whenever we're being tyrannized by wanting these things that we think we should have to make ourselves feel better, it's First Peter 4.1. And it says, because Jesus has gone through everything you've gone through and more, learn to think, like we just talked about thoughts, learn to right. think like him. And so what he's telling me, see how, if I can remember even how this all goes, because Jesus has gone through everything you've gone through and more. Learn to think like him. Learn to think of those sufferings as a weaning away from the old sinful habit of always expecting to get your own way. Then you won't be tyrannized by what you want. He's talking about. You'll be able to find that freedom by what Christ wants. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a powerful passage. Yeah. And so, again, what he's saying is renew your mind like Romans 12, too. You have to retrain what you're thinking. But that has to be woven into what you really believe, because you could you could change a thought over and over. But if you don't really believe it, it's not going to transform you. Exactly. Yeah, I I think he kind of brings up to me, reminds me of something that I read recently in a book um, where we have a certain expectation that we think. Right. We, we've set ourselves up with an expectation and then we have the perception of whatever that event or person is. And if that perception doesn't align with our expectation, if that doesn't quite line up, then we have a negative attitude. We have a negative emotion. If, if, our, ex, if our expectation is here, but our perception is higher, right? It's, it's better than we expected. Then we have a positive feeling and a positive emotion. Um, so what I have to do is I have to level set my expectation with God loves me. I'm called according to his purpose. I have to think on his things and think his way. And then my perception then that, that hits that. And then my attitude is, well, God's working it out. Yeah. Yep. Right. So and that, that belief comes when you really do trust yeah. That God loves you right where you're at, that he's not um, shaming you. He's not judging you. He's not punishing you right now. What good parent wouldn't discipline a child? So when you think about disciplining your own child, you know, you're doing it for their good and it's going to help them in the long run. Well, right. when I see God disciplining me through something, when I can come at it with the belief system is my father loves me. So of course he's going to discipline me. That's yeah. not punishment, but he's right. doing it. He loves me. Now I can go. Thank you for this redirection that you're giving me right now, because I needed yes. this. Like yeah. this book I'm reading right now is kicking my backside, but it's all, it's all good. Yeah, no, this is good. This is good stuff. Um, well, listen, I know we're hitting up against a time crunch here for today. Um, why don't you tell us what your two books are, where people can get them, and then how people can get a hold of you. And I will make sure, um, just like in last week, that in the show notes, there's a link to your books um, and to your website for people to get in touch with you. So. Go ahead. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. So Into the Wilds, um, you can, again, both of these, you can get off Amazon, you can get them at Barnes and Noble, you can get them through Books a Million, whatever. Um, this, uh, that book, Into the Wilds, again, go to Amazon. It's probably the fastest and cheapest way to be able to do it and just look it up and under my name, Brent Henderson. And then also uh, The Roar Within, the same mm -hmm. thing. You just go onto Amazon. You can order it at other places if you're at the mall and you want to go to you know Books a Million or whatever. But that's probably the fastest way. And to get a hold of me, just go to menministry.org. Cool. All right. Awesome. Well, Brent, thanks so much for being with us the last two weeks. I appreciate it. And the best to you and your ministry, man. Hey, same to you, bud. Good seeing you. Thanks. Yep. 
That was a great second interview with Brent Henderson, and it was a real joy to have him on. I'm so grateful that he took the time to join us and to talk about the things that he talked about in regards to our past, our future, what we think about, how our beliefs shape our thoughts, and our thoughts shape our emotions, our emotions shape our actions. There's some real real meat there to consider. Um, I would love to walk with you on your journey as you consider these things and walk through these things. Reach out to me, Tyson, at TysonPriest.com. If you've got questions or if you're looking for a coach to help you transition from point A to point B in whatever area it is in your life, I've coached uh, people through through changes in careers, uh, divorces, changes in hobbies, and love working with people and seeing them really, really succeed. I know that I will be helping you identify the blind spots as you make your transition. And so, again, thank you for listening. Be sure to rate this show. Be sure to give us some positive feedback and positive comments on whatever platform you're listening to this on. Until next week, own it. Out. Mm-hmm.